in Matthew chapter 28, in verse 19 and 20, in the Passion Translation, it adds this at the beginning. It says, now go in my authority. This is Jesus speaking to the disciples. So he's not telling them just to take off running and just go do whatever they want to do. He's telling them, go as my representatives, but go in my authority. And so in the New Living Translation, it says it this way. It says, go and make disciples of all nations. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He says, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the ends of the age. And this is what we would consider the Great Commission, uh, is what the Bible would call it. So it's kind of Jesus's, one of his parting shots right before he leaves the earth. It's kind of like his last uh, instructions to the disciples. He says, okay, guys, you've seen me do it, now go and do it. And so that's really still our charge. Uh, you know, over uh, in Mark's account of this, and I've shared this over the last couple of weeks, he says, go and preach the gospel. And I, and I think that sometimes we have a, a misunderstanding of what that scripture actually means. And so, because we think, well, I'm not a preacher. Like, pastor, that's what you do. You preach. I listen. That's, I'm not a preacher. I'm not going to stand up at, at work on my break and start preaching to people because that's weird. And I agree with you. That is weird. And so I would encourage you not to do that. But... What it actually means is to proclaim or to openly make known. And so really, and I would say it this way, is to go and what? Share your story. Like, why did you come to church today? I think that's a question you ought to ask yourself. Did you come to church today out of duty, out of religious obligation? Or are you here this morning because of what God has done in your life? And that being a part of a church family makes a difference for you that helps you grow into what God has for you. Because the Bible says that we are to what? Not only are we come here to what? Fill up. Yes, that's true. Why? Because we're going out into a world that desperately needs God. Like people around us need God and actually desire God more than I think than, than we realize. I mean, if it wasn't worth it, why would you accept Jesus? Just a thought. So if you needed Jesus, why don't they? If you needed salvation, why don't they? Were you like a worse type of sinner than most people? Some of you might say, yes, I was. But, but no, the truth is, is that everybody has a longing to what? To be made right with God. And so we are called to be on mission. That's what, that word commission means, hey, we're partnering up with Jesus for what? To build his church, to see the kingdom of God expand. You're like, I don't know what the kingdom is, and I don't know how to expand it. It's real simple. It's people. It's seeing people come to life in Christ. That is God's goal. And so I've been encouraging over, over the last few weeks, is, and I've said it this way, is to go into all of your world, go into the world, and what? Be the gospel. Don't just go out and talk about it. Show it. Be the gospel. So I've encouraged you to, um, you know, each week we've had different challenges and, and, and different things that I've given you and, and things that I've encouraged you to be a part of. And so, you know, each week I hope you're doing these things and to do this. And so, you know, over in, so I want to give you a little bit more context here. But in Luke chapter 10, we see some scriptures here. And I want to highlight a few things. And starting a off in verse 1, it says, the Lord now chose 72 of his other disciples. So many of you know that Jesus had 12 disciples who were with him all the time. 
Uh, and so they, they're the ones we read about predominantly. But here, now there's 72. And he says, and he sent them out ahead in pairs to all the towns and places that he was planning to visit. It says, these were his instructions to them. He says, the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his fields. Now, most people stop reading right there. They say, I'm going to pray God sends somebody else. Lord, just, I'm praying you're going to send somebody across their path. Okay, but when are we going to pray to be that person in somebody's path? Like, Lord, use me today. Bring me across somebody's path that needs to come to either, whether it just be a kind act, whether it be something that you would use me today to influence them. Because I think sometimes we pray that way. Lord, send, send, har- send the labors into the harvest. Send people, send people, send people. It's kind of like when people pray about, you know, the world and praying about missions. You're like, Lord, call somebody else over there. And we don't want to take that responsibility, but yet Jesus says, ask, so here in the scripture it says, ask him to send more workers into his fields. But then Jesus says, now go. Now go. Not later, not next week, not when you get around to it, not when it's more convenient. He says, pray that God would what? Send you to go. He says, go and remember that I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. Thank you very much, Jesus. That doesn't sound like a great invitation. But yet, Jesus gives us the instructions. He says, when we pray, we ought to be willing to go. And sometimes we we can get the idea of like, well, I'm not called to be a missionary. Sure you are. Your mission field just happens to be in Louisiana. See, because of where we live and because of the nation that we've been blessed to be raised in, we think everybody knows Jesus. Statistically, it's not true. We're actually in the least, um, how do I say this right? The least evangelized America that we've ever been. Statistically, there are less believers in America today than ever. And we can't assume that people know the Bible because guess what? They don't. They don't. And so you can think of it like this, and I've actually said this for a long time because I just felt this in my heart. I mean, this goes back probably 10 years that I've I've made the statement. I said, I feel like that we as the church need to start thinking like missionaries and not like Americans because we think we go to foreign countries and we're going to preach the gospel to masses of people because they've never heard about Jesus. Well, guess what? Your neighborhood has never heard about Jesus. They might know something about him, but they probably don't know him very well. They've been to church, they've been exposed to church, they just haven't met him. Your coworker, that person that you're around all the time, they might know about Jesus, but they don't actually know him. And yet we're called to what? Go and to make disciples. In John chapter 4, I want to give you an account of this because, uh, and this is the, the account, the backstory of this is, this is the woman at the, at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well. So Jesus is sitting there. He asks this lady for some water. And she says, you know, why would you talk to me? I'm a Samaritan, which Jews and Samaritans did not fellowship together. They didn't, didn't talk. And then for a man to speak to a woman. So Jesus is breaking all kinds of like things you're not supposed to do. All of the status quos, all of the norms. He's breaking all these things. And I'm not going to go into her whole story, but basically Jesus kind of reads her mail, right? You go read the story. He's like, how many, you know, where's your husband? She says, well, I don't have a husband. He says, no, you've had four and the one you're living with right now ain't your husband either. And she's like, oh, you must be a prophet. (laughs) 
newsflash. <laughs> like, oh, you know, it's, it happens. And so anyhow, so Jesus goes and says, hey, go and sin no more. She goes to town, begins to tell everybody about this man out by the well who she believed was the Messiah. And the Bible says that people begin to flood out of the city. So that's the backstory, okay? So we pick it up. Jesus is talking to his disciples who are arguing about lunch. That's actually what's happening. Because they bring Jesus. I'm just tell you the story now. I'm saying I got to qualify what I'm saying. This is my translation, but you can go read it. I'm telling you the truth. The disciples come back with lunch. That's why, they, that's why Jesus was alone. They went into town to get some food. They come back and they said, Jesus, you need to eat. He says, I, I don't need to eat. I have food you don't know about. And they're like, who got Jesus lunch? Because they were always trying to one-up each other. They were always jockeying for position. The disciples were a mess, but Jesus was using them, right? And so in the middle of this debate about who got Jesus food, this is the context of the verses we're about to read. So you got this woman who has just had this amazing moment with Jesus. She went to town. She began to tell everybody about Jesus. And guess what? People began to come out. And the disciples, let me say it this way, the church is arguing about who got lunch, right? So put yourself in Jesus' position. He's looking at this mass of people coming from out of the city to him, and the disciples are wanting to talk about food. I think they were missing the moment. So he, he, he picks up, and he says, you know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. Basically, you can't have a harvest without planting some seed. We all understand that. He says, but I say, wake up and look around. Why? Because in, the disciples were Jewish. They definitely wouldn't have thought that salvation was coming to the Samaritan people, yet the Samaritan people are coming to Jesus. So let me say, the harvest didn't look like what they were going to expect. Therefore, they didn't even pay attention to it. They weren't thinking at all with a kingdom mindset. They were thinking from their bellies, out of their own selfish ambition. And, and, and so the message translation says it this way, about the same thing where he says, wake up and look around. He says, I'm telling you to open your eyes and take a good look at what's right in front of you. Jesus talking to the disciples says, guys, there's something happening right in front of you, but you're not even seeing, you're missing the whole picture. And Jesus continues and says, the fields are already ripe for harvest and the harvesters are paid good wages and the fruit that they harvest is people brought to eternal life. This is the reason why we're here. And I don't mean just as a church. I mean, it's the reason that Jesus saved you. It's the reason that Jesus died for you. It's the reason that God has a plan for you. Why? Because we are harvesters who are to go out and to reap people and bring them and help them make the connection into eternal life that we say changed our life. And so if it changed our life, why wouldn't we tell somebody else about it? If Jesus is so good, why would we keep it a secret? And yet Jesus says that we're actually supposed to be having the mindset, and yet sometimes we need to look up. Pay attention. I mean, I, look, I'm guilty of this as anybody. I get my blinders on. I got my stuff I got to do. And then God puts somebody in my way. I think they're in my way, but it's a divine appointment. It's just, but if I'm not paying attention, I can truck right past it and not pay attention. 
You know, a couple of weeks ago, I'm going to tell a story on Kyle real quick because this is funny. He rolls his eyes at me. He was at work a couple of weeks ago. It was a couple of weeks ago. I don't know how long. And, and he was just sharing. Him and this lady that works in the office were talking. And he just said something about like, well, I'll pray for you. Well, she just stuck her hands out. And he was like, oh, right now. Okay. Let's, <laughs> kind of looking around like, I guess we're going to do this. Guess what? She was more ready for him to pray than necessarily he was. It's not a bad thing. I'm not knocking him. The reality is that would all probably be us too. We'd be like, oh. I mean, if you've ever had somebody, if, you, if you've ever said, hey, I'll pray for you, and they're like, okay. Oh, you're like, oh, you, you won't write, oh, okay, right now. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. I thought I was just going to go home and pray later, but you want me to pray right now. Oh, okay, let's do this. You know, and, and I think many times is that we can become almost prejudge people that they're not ready. Just say, no. Nope. Okay, well, I don't know how many people that I have prejudged and said they're not ready, and then I watch them respond to God and go, man, I could have been, God could have used me to do that. So we have to be careful to not kind of jump to conclusions where people are at in their spiritual journey when we actually don't know. All we have to do is say, God, I'm available, and if you give me the opportunity, I'm going to throw some bait out there. And I'm going to be ready at every moment to what? To give life away. I've shared this thought with you every week, and you're going to hear it this week, and you'll hear it next week again, because I think it's, it's, just, it's true, but it's also powerful. So many times when we start talking about being saved, when we talk about putting our faith in Jesus, and, and really, those, we understand that we've been saved from something. We've been saved from sin and from death and from destruction, and, and we know those things. We've been saved from that. But sometimes I wonder how much we realize that God has actually saved us from something for something. The Bible says that he's taken us out of darkness and brought us into the light of of who he is. But that's for a purpose. There's a a reason. It's to have influence on those around us and to make a difference. In Romans chapter 1, verse 16, it says this. It says, for, and this is the Apostle Paul, and he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus. But there's a reason why he wasn't ashamed. He says, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Is that we're not just trying to tell people about Jesus. We're trying to tell people about Jesus because there's a power and an ability that comes when the gospel is shared with another human being that changes hearts in an instant. That years of therapy cannot work, cannot fix, cannot change. Why? Because he is the Lord. He is the Messiah. He is the one who changes lives. And we are called to be a part of that. And so God calls us and asks us to be, to, to be a part of this story. And so over the last couple of weeks, I've been sharing with you. I've encouraged you. Week one, we talked about being vocal. Share your story. Remember, don't be weird, but share your story. I encourage you, don't be weird. That's, 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 that's. Jesus wasn't weird. Remember, remember I made that statement? And if he did weird things, miracles happen. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Okay, y'all remember that. So you can be weird if you, if you make some miracles happen, you know, I'll give you that one. But until then, just don't be weird. Just be normal. Love people. But be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Like, how do I know if the Holy Spirit's speaking to me? This is one of the ways I know. And this is a natural thing. Like, I get the thought, you need to go talk to that person. Sometimes my heart feels like it's about to beat out of my chest. And I'm like, I ain't doing that. 
Because I know I don't want to go do that, but I know that that's the Lord stirring up in me. I know that thought didn't come from me. So we talked about that. Uh, week two, we talked about being generous, finding ways to be a blessing to people around you. Because people don't understand generosity. They just think you're a nice person. But no, it's, I'm doing this in the name of Jesus. Let me tell you why I'm being generous. Because Jesus has changed my life. And, and I believe part of him changing my life is living differently, which is a life that's not about me. It's about serving other people. And so that's why I'm blessing you. That's important. You don't want to just bless people and be like, all right, have a good lunch. Tell them why, right? And so today I want to talk to you. And, and your challenge this week is be personal. And I'm going to give you some, some, some detail on what that means. And so I think that it's important because I believe one of the greatest tools that we have as believers is actually our ability to pray prayers that God will listen to. I mean, the Bible says that that his ear is attentive to our prayers. Like God is paying attention when you pray. You may not think so, but according to Scripture, and I'm going to show you some things this morning about this, is that it is powerful. Never, never, never discount your prayer. If it's not powerful, then why pray? Is it just out of religion? Or are you expecting something to happen when you pray? Because the Bible gives us lots of reasons to believe that when we pray, things are going to happen. And you may have to tell yourself that phrase a lot. When I pray, things happen. When I pray, things... And you may have to convince yourself of that until you believe it. It's like what I was talking about earlier. You just got to look at Scripture and say, when I pray, God will move heaven and earth on my behalf because I trust Him. And so I want to challenge you this week is to be personal. Now, I'm going to give you exactly what that means here in a little bit, but let me give you a couple of scriptures. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 18, Jesus speaking, he says, I tell you the truth, that whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit or whatever you allow on earth will be allowed in heaven. So many times we can fall in and, you know, we can get into this mindset like we pray like it's all up to God, or we blame everything on the devil. Here's the problem with that. We never take ownership. We never take responsibility for our own life. Now, there is God and God works. There is the devil and and he is evil. The Bible says he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Yes. But sometimes what we experience is actually the result of our own choices. So we don't get to blame the devil. Sometimes there are things in our life, and yet, but I also know that there are times in our life where the devil is working, and if we would simply stand in faith and pray, the Bible says what you forbid in heaven, or what you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. In other words, when you make a stand and say, I've had enough, devil, heaven says, I'm going to back you on that. But there's also times where we can allow things to happen in our life, and because we never make a stand and say enough is enough, guess what? God's saying, I've given you, remember, go in my authority. You have authority in your life to stand up according to God's word and begin to pray and to begin to ask God. And what? Your prayer matters. It makes a difference. In Matthew chapter 18, verses 19 and 20, it says this. It says, when two of you get together on anything at all on the earth and make a prayer out of it, my Father in heaven goes into action. 
My Father in heaven goes into action. He says, and when two or three of you gather together because of me, you can be sure that I will be there. You know, in Psalms 103, it talks about that there are angels that are actually waiting for the command of the Lord. And I, I, I studied that out one time, and it actually gave the, the picture. Our language is not very graphic, but the Hebrew and the Greek languages are very visual. They give you pictures for everything. And it actually gave the idea of like a sprinter in the starting blocks for track, bent down, just waiting. I used to run track, and you'd wait for that little gun to go off, and you'd take off running. There, so let me, let me just ask you a question. Are your angels bored because you're not giving them anything to do? Are they just sitting there in the starting blocks going, come on, pull the trigger already? Why? They are waiting for the word of God. You're like, yeah, but God has to speak. But he's given his word to us to begin to speak so that what? So our angels say, I, I can hook up with that. When we begin to pray, God goes into action. Heaven goes into action on our behalf. James chapter 5 gives us some some instructions and and some understanding into this. I know I'm reading a lot of scriptures because I want you to be thoroughly convinced, not by me, but by by God's word, that your prayers make a difference. James chapter 5, starting in verse 13, it says, Are any of you suffering hardships? Anybody struggling this morning? The Bible says you should pray. Why? Because you're struggling pray. Why? Because God wants to help. He doesn't want you to live in that place. He wants to help you. He says, are any of you happy? You should sing praises. You should be joyful. He says, are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and to pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. And it says, such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick. You know, I talked about uh, Mark chapter uh, 16 verse 15 earlier about where it says go and preach the gospel unto all the world but it, 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 you go read the next verse it says and these signs will follow these signs will go with the preach and one of the things it says is that they will lay hands on the sick and the sick will be recovered they will be made well they will be made whole you can pray for yourself to receive healing and you can pray for other people to receive healing and the important thing here is it says that such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick. And you're like, well, I can't heal anybody. Well, the Bible doesn't say you have to. It goes on and says, and the Lord will make them well. All I'm trying to do is create a, a point of contact for, for my faith and the person I'm praying with faith to what? To come in contact so God says, I can do something. Why? Because prayer matters. It makes a difference. It goes on here and it kind of, like as a side note, those us in at the end and it says, and if you've committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Which that's, that's a great thing. That's an amazing thing that we have. It goes on here in verse 16, continuing, giving us instructions. This is how the passage translation, I like some of the verbiage that it used better. But it says, confess and acknowledge how you've offended one another. Go to each other and try to make it right. Like, I don't want to do that, but listen. It says, and then pray for one another to be instantly healed. That means when we get offended, if we'll just go to that person and say, hey, you offended me, but we need to get this thing covered in prayer. Why? Because I want to get it instantly healed. The Bible talks about don't allow a root of bitterness into your life. So how do you do that? You pray. You get it covered with some prayer. 
So it says, pray for one another to be instantly healed, for tremendous power is released. Tremendous power is released through the passionate, heartfelt prayer of a godly believer. Power is made available when we pray. Not because of who I am, but because of who I'm praying to and who he is and what he desires to do. My prayers are not any more powerful than yours. The only difference in prayer is the amount of faith in the words that we speak. Do I believe? Am I, and, and one of the ways that you could define believe is this. I am thoroughly convinced doesn't mean that I never have questions. It doesn't mean that I never wonder what, no. But I am more convinced by God's word than I am my circumstances. That this is what God's promises are to me. And so when I pray, I don't need to back down. I actually need to maybe lean in a little bit and say, nope, this is what God's promised me. And this is what I, I believe he wants in my life. It goes on and it says that the prophet Elijah was a man with human frailties just like all of us. But yet he prayed and he received supernatural answers. And I'm here to tell you this morning, you can receive supernatural answers when you pray. You may not know what to do. You may be facing a situation, a circumstance at work or in your life or whatever it may be. If you'll begin to pray, God will give you the answers. The Bible says you actually, you have not because you ask not. It's a relational thing. Prayer is not one-way communication. It's not just me coming with my punch list for God saying, hey, God, here's your to-do list for this week. It would be great if you could get to all of them. I'll have a new one next week. Thank you. Amen. That's, that's not how we pray. It's not how we should pray. There's nothing wrong with having a list. But prayer is actually intended to be two-way communication. I pray and I listen. I speak and God speaks. He listens and I listen. How many of you... Hope and believe that God listens when you pray. So maybe we should listen when he speaks. Give him the same courtesy that, you, that he gave you, right? I mean, you ever been like in a conversation with somebody and, and it's like, it wasn't much of a conversation. They just talked. And I listened. It's not much of a conversation. And yet prayer was actually intended to be a conversation. I speak, God listens. God speaks and I listen. And it doesn't always mean right there in that moment. I mean, sometimes I've had it where I've like really needed an answer, like right now kind of thing. And I'll spend my time praying and, and talking to the Lord and then I'm like, well, I guess you're not gonna talk to me right now. And literally walked from my office to the refrigerator to get something to drink and God talked to me at the fridge. I'm like, I had my worship music playing I had, like, the, the lights were right, like, the glory cloud had to be in there. So why wouldn't you talk to me in there? I don't know, but I'm glad he speaks to me. And here's the truth. God will speak to you. It's not a supernatural gift. There's not the, there's not the gift of hearing God's voice. So don't buy into that lie. He's your father. He wants to be in relationship with you. And he wants to fellowship with you. He wants to talk with you. In Mark chapter 11, verses 22 through 25, 
Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he's giving them some instruction because Jesus had actually walked by and cursed a tree. That's the context of this, and the disciples were amazed that, Jesus, you said the tree was going to die, and it died. It's because he didn't question. He, and I won't go into the backstory, but it's what happened. So then Jesus said to the disciples, he says, have faith in God. He says, I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will really happen. He says, but you must really believe it will happen and uh, have no doubt in your heart. He says, I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that, you've received it, it will be yours. You're like, wait, you're saying I can pray for absolutely anything. Here's my one exception, in accordance to God's will. So if you're praying for something, just go find some scripture to back it up. Because that'll give you a little bit more, a lot more confidence. Like, don't go pray and ask God for a Lamborghini. He's probably not bringing you a Lambo. I'm just saying. <laughs> probably not. If you want one, go buy one, okay? <laughs> like, well, I can't buy one. Then apparently God doesn't think you need one yet. So, but in accordance to the God's word, according to his will, if you, be, if you pray for anything, and if you believe that you receive it, it will be yours. He says, but when you pray, first forgive. Where, there's that word again, forgive. It's funny, James talked about that too. So actually forgiveness has something to do with our prayers. But he says, but when you're praying, first forgive anyone who you're holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins also. See, I'm giving you a lot of scripture about prayer. Why? Because I want you to believe that when you pray for somebody, it matters. When you pray over your own life, when you pray over your own situations, you ought to have the conviction that God like, has assigned angels to listen when I begin to speak God's word. And they're waiting. Don't leave your angels bored. Give them some exercise. Begin to pray God's word. Begin to speak God's word over your life. Different seasons of my life, I would have confessions that I would speak over my life. One of them would be, Father, I thank you I have favor today. I have favor with every person I come in contact with today. That you're going to open doors for me. You're going to get me in, in relationship with the right people at the right time for your purpose. And I would say it every morning. And it's amazing, doors got open to me. Why? Because I was declaring God's word over my life. And there's been different seasons of my life where I'll, I'll go get scriptures. And sometimes they're, they're challenging things for me. You know, there was a pretty long season of my life where I took 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. And the, I, I felt like the Lord told me to go get it out of the Amplified Bible, which is longer. And I quoted it every day over myself. I am patient and I am kind. Help me, Jesus. That's like the first three words. I ain't even got to the rest yet. I had to confess it. Why? Because, and it's amazing. I begin to confess that, and, and I'd get these little kind of like, "Don't say nothing." It's like, but I got it right here. Like it's just it's right it's right there. And the Lord's like, "Nope." But I'm patient. I'm kind. I think the best of everybody. That's a hard one. Why didn't it say I'm suspicious of everybody? Because that would have been a lot easier. <laughs> That would have been a lot easier. But yet it says, you know, and I began to confess that over my life. But, you know, as I did that, I began to see a big difference in how I, I, I loved people, how I walked with people, how I interacted with people. It was hard, but I'm glad I did it. It was worth it. 
Watch, the, the, it's again, it's taking God's word, but what happens when we begin to pray God's word? When I pray God's word, I have 100% confidence that he will answer. When I pray my words, like, <laughs> let me flip a coin, 50-50. But when I get God's word, he watches, the Bible says he watches over his word to what? To perform it, to make it happen. The moment I pray God's word, angels are moving. Heaven is moving. The moment you pray, angels begin moving. God is paying attention. Things are beginning to happen. God is working on our behalf. Why? Because we've trusted him. Just the act of prayer is an act of faith. It is. Why? Because you're praying to something you can't see. So it takes faith just to pray. And so, you know, I've been sharing with you over the last number of weeks now that, about this and really how can we really go out and make a difference and, and really in our community, how do we go out and be the gospel? And I think it's important, I've shared this, this phrase with you, is that the local church is not the hope of the world. Now, I believe that the church is amazing. I'm giving my life to it. I, th- I think it's pretty important. But the reality is, is that the church in the four walls doesn't help anybody. But it's when the church gets mobilized and we leave just these walls and we do more. Let me say, is that we live out our life outside of Sunday morning. We live it out on Monday morning at work. We live it out Tuesday night at home. We live it out Thursday night on the ball field as we're coaching our kids' teams and we're a godly example and a leader to those kids that may be on those teams. I mean, that's what we're talking about. But it's when the church becomes mobilized that it is the hope of the world. You know, in the past couple of weeks, I've been sharing with you the thought and the scripture where it says that we're not a, a, a seek that God is not a secret to be kept or a secret to be kept. No, we're going public, and people around us need what you already have. You may say, "I don't have anything." You have more than you realize. You have more than you realize. And if you will go in the strength that you have, if you go in the ability that you have, God will make up the difference. He will. He has, he's amazing at doing that. If you wait till you feel like it, you'll never do it. But you're going to have to step out in faith and begin to act. So here's my challenge for you this week. I said it was be personal. So this is how I'm going to qualify it. I want you to be personal by praying for somebody. Like right there, live, face to face. You're like, but that's going to be uncomfortable. It will. But what if it changed that person's life? Would your moment of being uncomfortable be worth their eternity? See, sometimes we have to what? Lift up our eyes. Why? Because there's harvest all around us. Just as Jesus told the disciples, lift up your eyes and look around. Pay attention. And sometimes it's like in sales that there's this term called about closing the deal. And sometimes I think as, as believers, we're not that great at closing the deal. And it doesn't mean that you've got to get them all the way to salvation. All it has to say is, you may be with a coworker, Right? And they're frustrated, they're, whatever's going on, it might be their marriage, it might be in their finances. All you can say is, hey, can I pray with you about that? And they're going to go, sure. Who doesn't want prayer? And you can say, how about right now? And they'll be like, now? Why not? 
How bad do you want it to change? And you don't have to have, you don't have to raise your voice. Like, everybody quiet down. I'm praying. Like, come on. Like, you ain't got to do that. You don't have to be loud or obnoxious or, you know. You can just, Father God, I just thank you. Whatever the need may be, I just thank you that you're working right now. In Jesus' name, amen. It's pretty short, but it's effective. The Lord may give you a scripture. Pray that scripture over them. And just do that. Let me, you know, I, I was, there's a, you'll get one of these cards when you leave today. And it, so be personal, personal prayer, praying for people. So it's got a couple things on here, but, you know, I, I was thinking as I was praying actually this morning about this message and about this challenge, you know, um, I was reminded of a story. And uh, Cody Bass, who's one of our drummers here, he works at one of the plants. And here a while back, he was at work. And uh, we were, I was talking to him that day. And there was an accident, not him, but a, a gentleman who was, he was right there when it happened, though. Uh, and this man was, he was hurt really bad, I'll just say it that way. And Cody told me, he said, I walked up to him and I saw him. He said, I didn't know what to do. And the only thing I knew to do was pray. You know, and I told him, I said, Cody, I said, that's the best thing you could have done. You know, and in that moment, it was just like, oh my gosh, like, you get moments, you don't know what to do, pray. We, that ought to be our response many times. When we don't know what to do, just start praying. Why? Because when we start praying, God goes to work. He begins to move. You know, here's another, just uh, an example. This is a simple one. If you go to a restaurant, many of you are getting ready to go to lunch. You're probably going to go to a restaurant maybe. Maybe not today, but sometime this week. When you're there eating your dinner, I, I hope that you pray over your food. But when you do, well, before you do that, why don't you ask your waiter or waitress and say, hey, we're about to pray over our food. Is there anything we can pray for you about today? And they're going to be like, absolutely. And then when you pray over your food, just include them in your prayer over your food. You don't have to like, you know, make them stand there or anything unless they just want to. They might say, hey, let's pray. <laughs> do like Kyle, just like, let's do it. I don't care. I need some prayer. I need more Jesus in my life. It doesn't have to be complicated. We just have to what? Be willing to step up, to be vocal, to just put that out there and say, you know what? I'm going to take the challenge this week. Why? Because, and I say it every week, and I say it intentionally, because I want it to just be in you every week. I don't know if you've noticed this. Every week when I call our prayer partners up here, I, I, I say the exact same thing every week before I walk off the stage. Is that prayer changes everything. Prayer changes everything. It's not just something we do. It's one of the greatest tools that we've been given. But you have to pray. For prayer to work, you just have to pray. Now there's ways to be effective. As a matter of fact, there's uh, I think they're still back there. Back there on our little camera stand. There's actually some, I think there's three or four. Uh, I don't have any back there. But actually, it gives you methods of prayer. You're like, I don't know what to pray. There's one called the Lord's Prayer. We may not have any more of those back there. But there's several different things. And they'll, they'll teach you how to pray. Because prayer makes a difference. Your prayers are powerful. They contain amazing power when you pray. And if you pray and you put your faith in what you're praying, God will see to it 
that he's going to work. And you may be surprised this week as you ask people to pray, they might put something really, and you think, oh my gosh, how do I pray for this? It's not on you to fix it. I mean, somebody comes to you and says, I'm about to get divorced. That's a big, like, holy cow. I was thinking, like, I got paper cut. I was not, I was not, oh, wow, okay. My kid just got a diagnosis. Oh, gosh. We don't have to do anything. We pray, and God will work. We don't have to prove him. He's big enough. He will prove himself. But if we'll pray, things are going to happen. Amen.